We're going to talk about the role of the wife. I know I've never been a wife, but I have lived with one for 31 years. And so I hope, ladies, you'll give me some grace. That's why I always start with a guy to make sure you hear what we're saying the Bible says to us first before we move towards, all right, now, in light of that. I'll be honest with you, I I teach other places and there's times, I know not why, that they'll assign me to teach the role of the wife and they gave the role of the husband to somebody else. And I I, literally, I'll write them back and say, not going to happen. I am not going to jump up and speak about the role of the wife if the ladies in the room didn't hear what I said to the men. Does that make sense? Right? Because I don't know what this other guy is going to do. I don't know if he's going to be hard enough and then I just come rolling in. I don't mind doing both, but I want to make sure that you heard what's God say to us men first. So in this hour, we want to talk about the role of the wife because it takes two. You will not have a good marriage if just one of you gets on the page and say, all right, it's certainly better than both of you being way off, but you both need to understand what's God's calling. What does he say? Not what does the world say. And so here, ladies, there's no less confusion on your role than there is on the guys. It's not like, okay, thoughts about what it means to be a man and thoughts about what it means about husband are way off in our culture and on wife. You can just take your cues from the world and roll right on into the home. No, it's a mess also. You got to go to God's word and say, what does the Bible say? And it is a high calling, by the way. I want to state that up front, that too often in our culture, I think the thought is this is just, okay, maybe you're single, maybe you're a wife. It doesn't really matter. It's not one of the most important things. It is. And don't hear me saying that in relation to you can't work out outside the home or this, that, and the other. Do hear me saying if you're a wife, second to the fact that you're a child of God, It's your second highest calling. And it's a calling. I'm pausing for emphasis because notice what I left out. I'm not saying, I think everybody would perk up and say, next to you being a child of God, you being a, if you have children, a mother as your second highest calling. It's significant when you look at Genesis again. If we, gotta, if we wanna get things right, you very often have to go to origins, the beginning, because it's as you move forward that sometimes you say, well, we just got a little bit off. Mm-hmm. And then a little bit off. If you're building a wall, if you know anything about construction, a little bit off right here, what's it look like way down there? You don't wanna live in it. So we gotta go to origins, Genesis, from the very beginning. What did God have in mind? And it's interesting. He created Adam and Eve without children. He could have just started, boom, there's a man and a woman and children. And it's worth noting, marriage, marriage takes precedence over parenting. Don't hear me saying parenting is important. Children aren't important. But just like guys can get it wrong with priorities, Ladies can get it wrong. And so often you see it. You see it and the home feels the impact of it. I know your husband doesn't look as needy as the children. Or you shouldn't, guys. If you look as needy as the rest of the children, 
can you zip my pants? And you've got jelly on your face and your hair is sticking. That's sad. Work on that, right? So you shouldn't look as needy. But ladies, I know, I know it's, he's your second top priority after child of God, Jesus, husband. Now don't, don't hear what I'm not saying, especially when you have young kids. It doesn't mean the way you prove he's your second priority is based with time. And if we kept a time sheet, it would show it took more time to take care of him than the children. It, probably not. But we're talking about just in your heart and what you understand. Because it's going to affect the way you relate in that home if you think, no, husband, husband, husband. And as we had five kids, please know there were, there were just, there was a season where I just knew there isn't hardly anything she can do for me. I mean, it's all she can do to take care of five children. So it's not that I was standing there saying, hello. But she didn't just set me aside and like, we'll get reacquainted in about 12, 15 years. No, you probably won't. You'll probably get divorced. Or you'll be one of those women who's saying, ah, I don't know who I am now because I've been a mother. And so as the daughter goes off and all we did was gymnastics and I drove her around and I was at every meet and I know all the other parents. And And all of a sudden, if it was your whole world and your husband was just, hey, nuke something in the microwave, buddy. And, you know, just don't look at porn, but there's no time for sex either. And there's like 12 to 15 years of that. Mm, not good. Vicky, even with the kids, tried to live with me in a way that indicated, I'm aware of you. You're important. We've got to spend time together. Was willing. Here's one of the ways you can do this, ladies. I know it's hard, and depending on personalities, you might think, oh, but the kids, but the kids, but the kids. She would leave them to go out with me. Yes. Alone. That was my wife saying amen. Yes. It wasn't like, oh, I'm not leaving the kids. I don't know who. We can. There's no one I trust with the kids. And so there you are in a restaurant with all the kids. Oh, that's so much fun. Hot date. Yeah. No. We would leave them. Now, some of it was money. It's like, I can't afford to take all of you. They were always saying, everybody else goes out to eat every Sunday after church. Yeah. Ludicrous. That would cost me like $120. Not going to happen. So here's Totina's pizza. Ooh, have fun video. And your mother and I, so we'd be at the top of the stairs about to leave. And they're like, not fair, not fair. You never take us. That's right. We don't. I'd say that because she was my wife before she became your mother. And we love each other. Mm. They're like, oh, we'll be back. And that's what we did. And even like. It's hard, but one time a year she would go away with me. I teach at different conferences. I know she can't go every time. You can't find childcare every time. You kill yourself to find it once. My parents would drive from Knoxville and stay in our house a whole week in February so she could go with me to this conference in Lafayette and be my wife. We could, we could sit in stuff together and hear it and talk and then stay in the hotel and go out to eat together. Even though we had little kids, you can't go 12, 15 years with none of that happening. Just hit pause and oh, we just have kids now. No, you have a spouse. 
That was about, it was a sad year. Once my oldest son, I think it was like 15, very mouthy. And we got home and my dad sat me down. They had kept the kids that week for like, I don't know, seven, eight years. He said, that's the end of that. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I was like, Harrison, you ticked off Papa. I knew, because the other kids were like, ooh, Papa got so mad at Harrison. (laughs) I'm like, I bet he was my dad. He doesn't put up with crap. Ooh, no, no, no. Because I used to always think I would never talk to my dad like that. Well, he talked to Papa like that. Yes. End of childcare for that week. (laughs) But we had some good years (laughs) that were invested in our marriage. So ladies, just think. Even if it's not so much, if we kept a timesheet, the priority shows up in time. It might not if you have young kids. But in your heart and just in the way you relate and you haven't stopped thinking about him, they have a husband. So what about the role of the wife? Let me, let me break it down for you like this. From scripture, I'd like us to look at four biblical essentials of what, of what the role of a wife looks like. Not from the culture, but from scripture. First, let's look at the wife's purpose. There is a purpose. And it is to be a helper suitable. Again, we go to the book of Genesis to get this. What does the term mean? Helper suitable. Well, literally, it's a term in the Hebrew that's the same term that is is used in reference of God towards us. You see it used in different scriptures in the Psalms that God is my helper and he's been my help. So what I'm saying is I want you to get in your mind, this is not a negative thing. Oh, great. He's the grand poovah and I'm his helper. Again, just like I kept taking you guys and saying, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Before you go running down there with what it means to be a leader, look at Jesus, that kind of leader. Before you decide what love is, look at Jesus, that kind of love. So ladies, before you decide, well, that sounds really pathetic. I don't want to be a helper. I have gifts and stuff and it's a high calling. It's the same term used about God towards us. And it should cause you to think he needs help. It's so obvious. I mean... In Genesis, you do get this. It's like he saw that Adam, it is not good for him to be alone. Th- this man will hurt himself. This, <laughs> he needs a helper. God designed the wife's role for a unique purpose. All kinds of unique purposes in the role of the wife. Part of it is companionship. You have a unique role of companionship. Because we are made in God's image, unlike plant and animal kingdom, we're the only thing in the universe that, that is said that we're in his image, means that we're relational beings. So you have a unique role of companionship for your husband. And the fact that God created Adam and Eve without children communicates a strong message about the priority of this relationship. And by the way, this should help us too. We've got siblings relationships referred to in the Bible, brothers and sisters. We've got church relationships, brothers and sisters. We've got work relationships, employee and employee and employer employee. We've got government relationships. We've got mother, child, marriage, husband, wife is the only 
relationship that is called one flesh. It's this one. It's this one. In other words, ladies, the children are supposed to leave the home. And it's not called, they aren't called one flesh. I know it feels like part of you and don't hear me saying you can't love them. Don't hear me saying you're not a mother forever. So leave the home doesn't mean and I'm no longer their mother. But it does mean it gives you a sense that what is the most important earthly relationship? It's this one. Husband and wife. One flesh. Sometimes it's almost embarrassing. We don't have a perfect marriage. I tried to make that clear. But because in the grace of God, the wheels came off of our marriage early. It was shocking But in so many ways, I look back now and I thank God because some people bump along for a decade or more and it would have been better if the thing had blown up. I don't mean like divorce, but it's so bad. I mean, I mean, what got our attention is Vicky looked at me there in the doorway of our trailer one Sunday afternoon and said, I don't love you anymore. I have no feelings for you at all. Wow. That's bad. So there's, so it caused us to say, all right, whoa. That even got my attention as a guy. I had known there was trouble, but I just thought, whatever. <laughs> right? I mean, don't we? I'm just like, I got my job. I'm a youth pastor. I'm a music guy. We're doing the Easter musical. We got the tune. We got the chicken wire. We got the smoke machine. We got the lights. Just something's not right there, but whatever. That got my attention. I was like, wow. And so we began to work and get help and ask questions and repent to the point that now, by God's grace, we've been growing in oneness and love. Not perfect, but we're friends. We're good friends. I used to, and I'm not a super, how do I say this? Friendly. Friendly. (laughs) Thank you. Here, why don't you come up here and tell them what I'm like? <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm just very task oriented. I'm this guy that she used to say to me, she knew me before we were married on campus. And she's like, what happened to Fred Forrester? That was a good friend. I was like, he's not in any of my classes now. I'm like, what an odd question. I don't, I don't keep friends. I do stuff. And if you happen to be near me while I do it, we'll be friends. And when it's over, we're over. If she grew up in a town, like she has friends her whole life. I'm like, what is that? I don't have time for that. I'm doing stuff. So if that helps you out at all, it's like, I would hear people say, my wife is my best friend. I mean, like, I like my music loud. We kind of talked about that. She doesn't even really want music on. I want to read a book, like from the beginning to the end carefully. And she's thumbing backwards through a magazine and blurting things out. While I'm trying to read. When I go to the beach, I want to sit there and put a little sunscreen on, settle in, and not move for days. I mean, our first vacation, huge fight. I took 15 books. I mean, we're going to be there seven days, right? I might have to go to Barnes and Noble. I mean, this last trip, we went to San Diego last week. I took seven books. I was there three and a half days. I ran out and had to go buy. I'm putting them in my bags. I thought, I know this will be enough. It wasn't. But on our, it was fine because she was shopping and doing her thing now. But in the first year of our marriage, it wasn't fine. I mean, I'm sitting there. I have just read maybe five pages. And she's like, 
Want to look for shells? Look for shells? Are you kidding me? Why? So I just looked at her like, please. About 20 minutes later, want to get in the water? Get in the water? What? Reading a book, girl. Like, what? What do I, what do you not understand? But see, I grew up where my dad read a book, my mother read a book. That was very tricky. So I grew up thinking women read books, the man reads a book, and the brothers poke themselves in the eye with sticks. She goes, you know, because we camped and literally mom read books and dad read books unless he was learning a language at the picnic table with with a cassette tape. Boy, niño, girl. So that's my home. You read and you learn languages. And so I just thought, this is all we did on vacation. We read. I just thought, what happened to you? Major conflict. But now, I had a point to all this. This was, this was leading somewhere. Oh, I know. Now, the kids are, we've lived in the same house 21 years. And so we have, we walk around the block. Everybody knows us. We've had ropes in this tree in the front yard and pulleys and buckets and stuff. And now the kids are gone. And people will grab us as we're walking around. It's like, oh, isn't it sad? And it's like, it's awkward. It's like. Yeah, it's, man, I think I'm tearing up. No, it's not sad. It's like, I've been waiting for this. Oh, and I'm glad it's not just me. Vicky doesn't just like start heaving. No, we've stayed connected to where, yes, it's sad some. And on the last one, like Sarah 17, now we have thought, oh man, when there's nobody, that will be sad. But, it, but in general, it's like, I always thought, now I will run naked through the house. We've had five kids forever. And I always thought, when they're gone, and I assumed she would think this too. I thought, I looked at her one day and I was like, we can run naked through the house. And I realized she's never thought that. <laughs> oh my word, you, you hadn't been thinking what I've been thinking. And now we can and you don't want to. Oh, oh, it was devastating. But she lets me run. You go, boy. Just, I head around again. You go. Yes. (laughs) So, that's better than nothing. But, you know, we look at our neighbors. And if if your home isn't built around the kids and the mother hasn't just, sorry, been married to the kids... That's, that's what the problem is with, with empty nest. Yes, there's some pain. But in general, the huge, I don't know what we're going to do anymore, is because you don't know each other because there was no investment because everything had shifted to kids. No. No, no. Your first role and priority relationship is husband. You have a unique role in the sexual relationship. I'm not going to dig into this because Vicky's going to touch on it with, with you ladies tomorrow in her session but just get this, ladies. We live in a sex-saturated culture. And sex isn't bad. God thought of it. It's good. But when you slam the door on sex, it is a definitive once and for all slam. There's nobody else he can have sex with to the glory of God. I mean, if he has sex with another man, that's homosexuality. If he has sex with another woman, that's adultery. If he sits at the computer screen and stares at other naked bodies and people having sex and masturbates, I think that's sin. 
Some might argue and say, well, there's, there's a nice release and you're not hurting anybody. I disagree. Pornography is sin. Adultery is sin. Homosexuality is sin. The marriage bed is called good. Now, don't hear me saying you're his sex slave. Just give it to him when he wants it, as often as he wants it, how he wants it. No, because he's, he's that servant, remember? He's just saying, oh, my love, could we perhaps tonight? If it... If it pleases you in any way. It, it is my birthday, you know. <laughs> I mean, it shouldn't be like that either. You know, it's, you're like, is it your birthday? I don't think so. So there's a balance. But you are it. Tag, you're it. There's nowhere else he's supposed to go. You ought to be grateful Sometimes I'll say to Vicky, I'm bringing it home, girl. I'm bringing it right here. She's like, yay. <laughs> but I could be going other places. I'm not supposed to go anywhere else. I'll stop. I could, I could do a whole workshop on this. But Vicky's going to do it, aren't you, girl? Yep. You have a unique role in responsibilities. You're his helper. So he shouldn't just be off your radar as like, there's no way that I should be helping him. God told Adam to subdue the earth and it was one of his first responsibilities. And she's called as a helper suitable. So even when you're busy with young kids and Vicky was for a season, you still should be thinking, what is God doing through him? How could I help him? How could I help my husband? Let me give you an example. This is a later season in life. But my mother, she's a great mother, and my parents have been married over 50 years now. And she called me the other day, and she was all worked up. Her church was asking her to head up the women's ministry. And in her church, this huge 5,000-member church, is a big deal. It was a big deal, very time-consuming deal. And she'd done it before, some years before. She's like, I just don't know. I don't know. Oh, it's so hard. And I said, Mom, what is Dad doing? So Dad's been retired Right? So he's always listening to the language. Remember that? Camping, Nino, boy, girl. I mean, he learned Russian, Spanish, Japanese, Chinese. And well, guess what he decided to get into? He was a nuclear engineer, but he does TESOL, teaching English as a second language in their church with international people who've come here. He helps them get a car. He helps take them to the doctor's office. He helps them learn English using the Bible. And he's a very friendly guy and he loves to have them over. He always wants to have them over and he loves to hike. So whenever they go to Gatlinburg, they're hiking with a Chinese couple. Or whenever there's a holiday, there's someone from Malaysia there. Just And mom loves to cook. I said, mom, just compliment and be a part of the ministry that God has a, dad has a passion for. She's like, oh, oh. She said, I'm so relieved. There's a, don't hear me saying you can't have your own ministry. I did not say that, ladies, okay? But sometimes I think there's this thought, it can't be that I'm just doing something that supports my husband and help. I gotta have this thing of my, un, unto myself. No, you don't. Sometimes it's more than you can do. Start with at least, what is God doing through your husband? How is he using him? And is there any way you could help? Is there any way you could help? It can be practical in the home too. I hope this doesn't blow you away. Just like you, I ho- hope you heard me indicating we guys can change diapers, should change diapers. You can clean the kitchen. You can clean a tub. You can, I used to fold all, can you imagine the laundry we had with five kids? There's seven people and children tend to just throw everything in there. It doesn't even have to be dirty. 
I mean, the mountains of laundry. Mountains. So I just said, hey, I can fold the laundry on Monday nights during Monday night. Dun, 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 dun. Football. I'm sitting there anyway, right? I'm downstairs. I can run. Washer. In between commercials. Dryer. Back. I mean, I had this thing down. So we, you know, don't have these hard fasts, but it can go the other way, ladies. I am clueless with a screwdriver. And I'm not just pretending to be like, I'm going to act stupid so I don't have to do this. I am stupid. It's like when I try to do stuff, it becomes worse and it costs more to have it fixed than when I began. That kind of deal. She's good. She's good. She'll she'll have a YouTube video going and she's changing the five canister water filter thing under the sink at the same time. It's like, she's good. And she does it for me. She lets me run naked and she fixes things. That is a good wife. Oh, man. It's like the dryer wasn't working. She takes the heating element out and she Googles what she needs and she orders it and she puts it in. Oh, man. Oh, that's sexy. Sexy. Oh, I want you, girl. <laughs> Helper suitable. If he's good at that and that is his joy, don't take it away from him. I know some guys, it's their great joy. Now, sometimes they act like it's their great joy. I'm going to fix that. Either fix it or let her do it or hire somebody. But think, helper, suitable. What are some practical ways you can be his helper? You know what? Pray faithfully. Pray for him. Think about it. If you're not praying for him, who is? Right? You live closest to him. You should care most. Pray. Grow personally. Your time with Jesus, oh my goodness, is essential. One of the best things, here's what I'm saying. One of the best things you can do for your husband is grow in your relationship with the Lord. And my wife just said that's right. Oh man. Her relationship with the Lord or lack thereof significantly impacts our marriage. You say, what do you mean, Brad? If she isn't getting a deeper level of her needs met and feeling loved and secure in her savior, she's gonna need. We're already deficient, right guys? But if she's come, if your wife's coming at you and she needs everything from you because she can't remember the last time she met with the Lord, woo, wow. And again, seasons are different. I'm not talking about an hour and a half, you know, this massive quiet time with an in-depth Bible study. If you got little kids, it might be 10 minutes. But she fought to still have some time with her Savior that so impacted our home and our relationship. And expectations are lowered some when needs are being met somewhere besides from the husband. Grow. Personally, encourage regularly. Be your husband's number one fan. I know you might say, give me something to cheer about. I know. But ask God, God, give me eyes to see anything good. To catch him doing something. It is, ladies, it is easy to point out every time. You did it again, okay? I'm helping you, right? There it is. Yeah, there it is again. (laughs) There. Not helpful. Far better to say... Without sarcasm, oh, honey, thank you for putting your stuff in the 
dishwasher. Catch him doing it right. Be his fan. Say, you know, sometimes I have to help people. They're like, ah, I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Let me help you. Does he come home every night? Well, yes. Does he bring home the paycheck or does he drink it away and spend it at, at Belterra? Well, yeah. See, you've got something to be thankful for. It's a choice. And then whatever it is, encourage him. We live in a discouraging world. Maybe you don't know that. But we don't get a lot of, thank you, good job, way to go. And, and, and from no one does it mean more to us than our wives. When she says to me, wow, thank you, honey, for being such a hard worker. Thank you, honey, for this. She points out character. I know she could still regularly say, oh, honey, still, really? After 31 years, look, right there. But she encourages me. If you go to our church, then you know there's still a place for her to pull me aside in the room and say, that wasn't loving. But she is getting on her stallion of love and she's galloping across a lot of sin and she's looking to catch me doing something right and encourage me, encourage me. Think about how you relate to your kids. Do they respond better to encouragement or constant, relentless pointing out what they do wrong? See, some of you ladies, you do well with the kids. And I'm not saying we are one of the kids, but we're a human being just like the children. All of us respond better to encouragement. Pursue intimately, or at least respond enthusiastically. Vicky will talk some more about that tomorrow. Play frequently. I know you may say, I'm just not that kind of person. Life is so serious, but listen to me. Don't be so serious and uptight all the time. Play. Have a playful spirit. Most guys, if, you, if you're not like this, guys, then just say to her when you get home, ah, that's not me. Do not try to play with me. <laughs> but just some playfulness. I love to hear her laugh. Bring laughter into the home. And you can make it a prayer. Say, so God, help me to laugh. Now, don't snort through your nose, but laugh easily. Just say, God, help me to laugh easily. I am just too uptight all the time about so much. That's not pleasant to be around. It's not attractive. Never mind what you weigh, how you dress. Listen to me. A countenance that laughs is attractive. And someone who easily throws their head back. Now, that's something that God has to do in your heart. Because this is a sad, hard world. Don't hear me saying differently. But when you know the Lord and you're meeting with him and you're filled with his spirit, you can find occasion still to laugh. And you are never more attractive than when you're laughing with him or at him. Play frequently. Laugh. Listen attentively. I know typically, this is stereotyping a little bit, but typically... We may not talk as much as you do. I'm the exception. But don't think it's a blessing. You know, some of you that think, I wish my husband talked more. Ask Vicky about, I talk. I can talk. And, And sometimes guys don't as much, but they still do sometimes. And listen, they might would do more if you listened more when they did. Listen attentively when they finally talk. And, and let me help you here. Don't fill in silence with trouble. 
And when there's silence, you think, oh my goodness, our relationship is, ooh, ooh, we're on, something horrible's happened. Now, I know in our relationship, when she gets quiet, we're in trouble. Because we just, we ride along, and I call her the hummingbird. She's like, and I love it. It's delightful. And I always, I just have to say, oh, ooh, oh, And we can do that all the way to Madison, Indiana and back. But if we're riding along and there's just silence, I'm just like, oh, God of the heavens. This is not, what have I done? What have I done? What have I done? What have I done? Done, 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 And finally, I'm like, are we okay? She's like, oh, yeah, I'm just tired. It is not you. I'm like, it is not me. You hear that? It's not me. (laughs) It's not me this time. It's not me. So silence from her, not good. With guys, very often, ladies, it just, there's a difference. We can be thinking about something. I got this illustration where uh, I saw this, where this couple, he was very quiet all evening. So in her diary, she wrote this. Tonight, I thought my husband was acting weird. We had made plans to meet at a nice restaurant for dinner. I was shopping with my friends all day long, so I thought he was upset at the fact that I was a bit late. But he made no comment on it. Conversation wasn't flowing. So I suggested we go somewhere quiet so we could talk. He agreed, but he didn't say much. I asked him what was wrong. He said, nothing. Now, see, here's what you need to understand. Not always, but very often when you say nothing, you're lying. And we're supposed to say, oh, but what? When we say nothing, it's nothing. It really is nothing. That's why you said it's nothing. We said it's nothing because it's nothing. He said, nothing. I asked him if it was my fault that he was upset. He said he wasn't upset, that it had nothing to do with me and not to worry about it. On the way home, I told him that I loved him. He smiled slightly and kept driving. I can't explain his behavior. I don't know why he didn't say I love you too. When we got home, I felt as if I'd lost him completely, as if he wanted nothing to do with me anymore. He just sat there quietly and watched TV. He continued to seem distant and absent Finally, with silence all around us, I decided to go to bed. About 15 minutes later, he came to bed, but I still felt that he was distracted and his thoughts were somewhere else. He fell asleep. I cried. I don't know what to do. I'm almost sure that his thoughts are with someone else. My life is a disaster. His diary says, motorcycle won't start. Can't figure out why. (laughs) Right? It's like... I mean, sometimes we, I know that might sound weird because we don't like multitask. It's like we get stuck on something and I'm still just on something at work or whatever. And it's just still rolling like, so I'm quiet. quiet. And there's nothing wrong between us. And I just told you there's nothing wrong between us. And it's the truth. So don't fill in the silence with horror. Speak respectfully. These are ways To relate to your husband. Speak respectfully. Michael Pearl says, No man has ever crawled out from under his wife's criticism to be a better man, no matter how justified her condemnation. It's so true. You criticizing him is not... I mean, if you're sitting here and you've already done that a lot, I ask you, how's that been going for you? Has he just dropped to his knees and said, Oh... Woman, how can I repent and please you? No, it doesn't work. No man has become a better man 
as the result of intentional, continued criticism from his wife, and it broke him. No. Correct privately. I've given illustrations in our own marriage. It's not inappropriate for Vicky to correct me. But even I practiced this with her. I never corrected her or tried to disagree with her in front of the kids. Privately. Privately. She'd pull me aside. There were even times when I'm, I'm kind of wound tight. Maybe you sense that. And when I would come home, it's like bikes are in the driveway. <sighs> shoes are on the landing. <sighs> There's a shoe shelf. I want shoes on the shelf. I want bikes in the garage. I want keys on the hook. I want pillows in the corner. All is well. And stuff wasn't like that. And I'm just kind of rolling through the home. No profanity, but I'm irritated. You know, I'm just, and she would just touch my arm. Honey, can I see you a minute? In the bedroom? I'd go back there and her hands on my arm like, what's wrong? I'm like, what do you mean? What's wrong? What's wrong? Nothing's wrong. It's just like we need to be consistent. I mean, this is a life skill, where the shoes go. I mean, this is responsibility. So she would correct me. It was helpful. And I had to learn. I'm coming home sometimes and doing that to our home because, I don't know if you know this or not, but so much of my job here, it just can't, it ever feels done and it is a mess. And it's like, ah, so I'm going to have some order somewhere right here. It starts with me not having to get out and move bikes. So that takes at least 45 seconds. You know? That was always an awkward moment. I'm laying on the horn. Isn't that wonderful, Mr. Servant? And when they're little, they're excited. They come running out. Daddy! Daddy! And then they see Daddy. It's like, they turn like, oh. I got the window down. Get the bikes out of the driveway. How many times do I have to say this? And and then God helped me. I was reading my Bible one day. And I saw this verse in Proverbs about where the oxen is, they'll be like poop. I forget what the Hebrew word is. Kaka, probably. You know? And I was like, you know what? We have little oxen. And I just started thinking that. As I drove home, I was like, we have little oxen. There'll be evidence of oxen when I get there. <laughs> and that helped. I just, and then when I would see it, I would just think, one day they're going to be gone. And I'll just shoot into the garage. But I have oxen now. And I just open my door to the glory of God and move that bike myself. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. <laughs> Growth. But she would correct me. But when she did, privately. What about the wife's position? So that's some of the purpose What about the wife's position? To be submissive to her husband. Just like we had to unpack and be careful. What's it mean to lead? That he's head and he's the leader. What's it mean to love? Same way here, ladies. Don't take this word and throw it out because it's been abused in our culture. It's in the Bible. We need to understand what does it mean and not start saying, well, culturally today that doesn't apply anymore. No, it does. Because just like with helper... This word is used in relationship to the Trinity. So develop a biblical view of submission. Submission is present in the Godhead. So just like with guys, we go to Jesus and say, that is what we're talking about. Ladies, you go to Jesus too. Jesus in the Trinity submitted to the Father. You realize this? He kept saying... I don't do anything except what I see from the Father. I'm here to do the work of the Father, the will of the Father. 
There's equality, and that's your perfect picture. Does it mean Jesus is less than the Father? Because he's equal, right? Is he fully God? Absolutely. But there is submission within the Trinity. So this is God-like for the sake of order. Because God is a God of order. And so he, this is not, you know, be silent and you have no, no influence, nothing to say. Submission is good because its foundation in the, is in the nature and character of God. Submission existed before the curse of sin. Sometimes you hear people say, yeah, work is a part of the curse. No, God called us to work in the garden before sin. And there was this role of submission in relationship before sin. It's not part of the curse. The curse has made work harder. And the curse has made our ability to rightly relate to each other with servant leadership and biblical submission harder because of sin. But it's still what we're called to and shooting for by God's grace. Submission is God's divine plan for function and order so there will not be chaos. It does not work, and I hear it even among Christians that kind of indicate, well, there's just not going to be any real leader in our home. We just, that's not what the Bible teaches. But I hope, ladies, that you're encouraged if the man is loving and leading like we talked about, I haven't found a woman yet that struggles to follow and submit. It's when you have someone that you think, I don't think he cares what I think. He doesn't listen. He doesn't ask questions. It seems like it's all about him. That would be hard. Submission is a, is a way of life for every believer. So there's, all of us submit. All of us are called to submit. Men are called to submit to civil authorities. I'm called to submit to the elders in this church. It's not like my way or the highway. All of us have places in life where we're practicing submission. Submission reveals a lot about a person's attitude towards God. Because think about it, just like the guys are called to love and lead just as Christ, ladies, God's word calls you to submit as unto the Lord, as unto the Lord, as unto the Lord. Ephesians 5, 22 Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. Recognize that submission is often misunderstood and therefore misrepresented. So see, submission is not that the wife is inferior to her husband. You're co-heirs. You're, you're an image bearer every bit as much as your husband is. It's not that the husband is never wrong. There's only one perfect authority And that's God's authority. And it's not that the wife cannot think and should never speak. In fact, you're commanded to speak the truth to one another. Focus on the perfect picture of submission, the life of Jesus Christ. So again, the the men look to Jesus as the example of how to lead in love. Ladies, you look to Jesus. Don't think of another woman. Don't think of someone you think you'd like to model after. I hope you have some good earthly examples, but start with Jesus When you think Jesus modeled submission. Submission. Was it because he was less intellectually? No. Was it because he was weak or unimportant? Nope, 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 nope. It was someone who was very gifted, knew who he was, and chose to submit. For to this you were called, 1 Peter 2, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. See, it's interesting, ladies. 
not in Ephesians 5, where we most often go, but in 1 Peter, he's talking about Jesus, and then he goes on and starts to talk about wives, right in the same passage, from Jesus to ladies. And he says, likewise, likewise, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands. What about the wife's perspective to show respect for her husband? Ephesians 5 says the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. What would that look like? What are some practical ways to show respect? Well, develop a godly attitude towards your husband. Let me help you here. An attitude is nothing more than a cluster of thoughts, of things that you've thought often enough that it's just gnarled up together. And guess what? You're now sporting a tude. But that didn't just come on you. I don't know. I've just got an attitude towards him. Well, there's a reason. You have a cluster of thoughts. If you keep thinking what you're thinking often enough about him, you'll have a certain attitude. So be careful. Develop a godly. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man or woman thinks within himself, so is he or she. What you're thinking. And it's your choice. It's your choice what you're going to think. What? What can you be grateful for? What can you be thankful for? Choose to think some of those things. Practice godly communication. Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, so that it edifies the other person. Use words and tones that edify him. Now, here's where you have to be careful. You may not think your tone is bad. But we don't hear ourselves the way we really sound to other people. So ask God. Ask your husband. Think about tone matters. It's not okay when we just say, well, all I said was. Someone can say something and someone else can say the same thing with a different tone and a different look on their face. And it means two very different things. Uh, There was a time someone emailed me and told me that I sounded so angry. And I thought, in, in the last two sermons, not last two sermons that we're doing right now, but this was years ago. I thought, what? No way. It was like Luke 15, the prodigal son. No need to be angry there. Like I was excited. I wasn't angry. And so I go home and I'm flossing in the bathroom and Vicky's in the bedroom. Like craziest thing happened today. Got this email saying, sounded angry on Sunday. And (laughs) silence. (laughs) I stick my head out and she's sitting there and she's like, well, now that you mention it, I thought you sounded angry too. But I didn't think about it. I, you know, it wasn't such a big deal that I was going to say something about now that you. And I was like, huh. So then I flipped open my laptop after supper, pulled the message up, started listening. It's me. I'm like, he sounds angry. <laughs> so you don't, you don't. And so I, I, I've kept that email. I eliminated that email. Three hole punched that. It's in my prayer journal. And I pray. God, I don't ever want to sound angry. I'm excited. And I I realized that passion and intensity can sound angry. So now it's a matter of prayer. But that person helped me by telling me that. But I didn't agree at first. So ask God. Tone matters. Watch your tone with your husband. Ask questions instead of making accusations. This goes both ways, husband and wife. Oh, man, don't go making accusations. You did it again. You always, you. Honey, we have, a, we have this that we practice with each other now. Now, you still know what's about to happen. But we agreed. I need your help on something. 
can I get your help on something, honey money? <laughs> and when she says that, I know, oh, I'm about to be rebuked. Sure. How can I help you? <laughs> I know this means this is you tell me something about me. Oh, so much fun. But at least this isn't starting off. You know, because earlier in our marriage, we'd be laying in bed after small group. And she's like, you did it again. I'd say, it's like the falcon has landed. Like, ah! He's pulling off hunks of flesh. Ah, ah, ah. And I'm supposed to respond like, oh. I said, seem needy. You seem very strong. I said, let's not start that way. Can I get your help on something? You may not be aware of this, but tonight in small group. And she's told me things that I didn't realize I was doing that hurt her feelings. But go asking for help, saying I need your help, and starting in a way that's not accusatory. It matters how you begin these conversations. A question pricks the conscience, an accusation hardens the heart. Express gratitude frequently. Oh, why? A grateful heart rarely produces a harsh tone. See, see, it's one thing to say, I don't want to be harsh. I don't want to be harsh. I don't want to be harsh. That doesn't work very well. Cultivate gratitude. A happy, grateful heart is not nearly as likely to have a harsh tone. Say, God, help me to be more grateful. Avoid gossiping or being critical of your husband. Again, this doesn't mean you can't go to him, but don't even in the guise of a prayer request gossip about your husband in front of 8, 10, 12 ladies. Well, pray for Bob. I mean, just pray for him. Pray for him. Here's what he did. Now, you may have one good friend. Don't hear, hear me saying it's just you and God. You can't talk to anybody else. But there's a balance between you're just finding ways to bring this up All the time. Don't do that. Choose to believe the best about him. 1 Corinthians 13, 7. Love believes all things. You say, I've lived with him a long time. I know him. You're going to have to ask God, don't do that. Don't assume the worst. Assume the best. Let your starting point be, I'm going to assume the best. This is not like you. That's what love looks like. Don't try to change him. You don't have the ability or the authority. You're not the fourth person of the Trinity. There's God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and me. I'm now in this man's life. There's no hope for him. Unless what I think needs to happen, happens. You're his wife, not his Holy Spirit. You got great influence, but there's someone else who has greater influence. And you should be praying for him and asking God to work in him more than you are taking the lead, thinking, no, we'll get it done and God can cheer me on. Mm -mm. What about the wife's potential to be a godly influence? Oh, there's huge potential. You don't have authority or calling to be the primary change agent in his life. It's God. But you have huge influence. Huge influence as a godly woman but here's what the struggle is you read first peter 3 1 to 7 and ladies i know it's hard but there's a temptation in a sense to think that words are going to get it done you can just word that man to death and it says 
that he may be one, W-O-N, without a word by your chaste and godly behavior. Don't hear me saying you never speak, but do hear me saying, be careful how much you speak versus how much you pray to God and say, God, work, work. You're a huge influence. Focus on being a good example, godly example. Focus on being a Proverbs 31 kind of woman. And I don't toss that out there as in perfection. I know you can read that chapter sometimes and be overwhelmed. But the sense there, when all I want you to take from that is the sense there is that woman was for her man and for her home. And you may have gifts on the level that you're able to work outside the home and manage a home. God makes different women differently. But the sense in that chapter is that woman was for her man and for her home. And he knew it. He knew it. He had a good woman. I don't know how gifted you are. I don't know what your personality is like. But you can be, you can make a choice to be for your man and for your home. And I'm telling you what, when men have a sense that their woman is for them and not against them, oh my goodness, we want to lead well, we want to love them, we want to take care of them. We feel like, oh man, she's for me, she's for me. I have one person in my corner when no one else in the world might be there. Let's pray together. God, thank you for marriage. Thank you for not just throwing it out there and saying, I hope you can figure this out. Thank you for not just throwing it out there and saying, watch sitcoms and decide how you should relate to each other. Oh God, thank you for your word. And thank you for the way you've tied both of our roles to Jesus Christ so that both of us are left saying, oh my goodness, I can't do this. I can't be like that on my own. And you say, that's right. But with Jesus in you, you can look to Jesus and follow his example, whether it's husband or wife. Help us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.